2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another Mock Draft Monday episode of the Locked on Bengals podcast. Joe, we only have two more of these after today, before the draft.
1: That's right. That means we are narrowing it down and starting to get a better idea of uh, how close we can get with these mock
2: drafts. And Joe, I think you're going to have to be careful with the amount of information that you're putting out into the world, lest other teams start to figure out what you figured out and use your data against the Bengals, because you've got their archetypes down to a T through your Bengals draft database that you've been working on for years. We know what the measurables are they're looking for. We know what the productivity metrics are that they're looking for. And so when we go into today's episode of Mock Draft Monday, Joe's gotten into this for several positions, and that will really inform the way we go. Maybe today Joe will do a what will they do mock draft, because I don't think we've really done that to this point. Before we get into Mock Draft Monday, though, the Bengals have had a series of formal interviews, well, informal interviews, I guess we should say at this point, that are being reported over FaceTime. So we're going to talk about some of the high-profile players that they've talked to using modern communication means, as I'm sure many of you are. If you have a job that is using Zoom meetings, I think the Bengals are probably doing the same thing. So we're going to start with those visits that have been reported and then get into Draft Monday. Today, we will talk about some of the higher-profile or more interesting meetings that the Bengals have had with prospects over Skype. It still seems to me, Joe, that they are leaning hard into their experience at the Senior Bowl, all the prospects they got to know there. But interestingly, they're talking to a number of day three linebackers, and maybe some that will sneak into the back part of day two. Let's talk about a few of those guys. Evan Weaver from Cal had a private meeting lined up with the Bengals. Wisconsin's Chris Orr and Michigan State's Joe Bocci are all guys that the Bengals reportedly have talked to. And Joe, these guys hit some of the metrics that the Bengals are looking for in terms of build, in terms of athleticism, in terms of production. And for the most part, they're not guys that we've really talked about as early round targets. Because we try to draft a linebacker
1: at round two, round three, round four at the very latest. But I think these guys are at earliest round four and could go as late as round seven in terms of of or. Uh, And I think when you look at them, they all hit the metrics. They all tested pretty well. They all have high production scores in terms of solo tackle, market share, tackles for a loss. Um, And I would say size-wise, two of the three hit, or it's just a little bit smaller. He's interesting, though, out of Wisconsin because he played opposite of Zach Bond and was an outside linebacker, inside linebacker, hybrid type. At 225 pounds at most, he's a little bit under the 230 threshold that they typically like at linebacker. I think he transitions inside,
2: though, in the NFL, and when he does, I think you're okay with the guy being just a few pounds short. A few other names to keep an eye on at linebacker. The Bengals talked to Akeem Davis-Gaither at the scouting combine before he pulled out of the workouts there. They attended Boston College's Pro Day, which went on before everyone started shutting down and had an extensive conversation with linebacker Connor Strachan. So that's six guys, if you include Fresno State's Michael Walker, who was supposed to have a dinner meeting with the Bengals, that might be targets for the Bengals on day three of this draft. And if you're wondering why they're targeting day three linebackers, because if you look at their
1: history and their profile for what they normally like at linebacker, they like guys that test decently well, But it's really the production that gives them the most pause. Everyone they draft at linebacker has been a a very productive player. And when you look at the list, you get Kenneth Murray, who's probably gone in the first round. And then you've got a big gap. And it's Malik Harrison, Logan Wilson, Jacob Phillips, Evan Weaver, and Joe Bocci. You see there, you've got one first-round guy. Maybe Harrison's a second. Maybe Logan Logan Wilson's a second. More than likely, those guys are third-round picks. I think you have just a few options to choose from. And if not, you're waiting to
2: round four, five, and six. And that makes a lot of sense when you start to look at their archetypes for the position. The Bengals also have reportedly talked to safety Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota over FaceTime in the last week or so. And Texas A&M defensive tackle Justin Matabike. Now, there are a couple guys that are day two targets getting out of the day three linebacker conversation here. And along with James Lynch from Baylor, who we've talked about on the Lockdown Bengals podcast before, do these guys also hit those productivity, athleticism size benchmarks that the Bengals like to draft? They do on the defensive line. I think Matabike definitely does in terms of
1: uh, backup three tech to Geno Atkins, and he has the production, he's got the burst, he's got the agility score. So I think Matt Abike is probably a round two pick, but it, you know, some of these guys look like, are they valuable at 33? I don't think so. But if they trade down into the 40, 50 range, could you select them? And I think that's where Winfield comes in as well. And this may have happened before they signed a bunch of defensive backs in free agency, but I do think with just... Mackenzie Alexander being on a one-year deal. Winfield could be a a future nickel slot guy. Plus, they did consider, based on Paul Denner's Jr.'s report, that they could have released Sean Williams instead of Drake Kirkpatrick, which means there's not many years left for Williams as the third safety. So you could still draft a safety there and have
2: Winfield double as a slot guy and a free safety. And I think, Joe, what's really interesting to me as we have this conversation, and we'll get into this more, I think, when we get to the mock draft portion of the show here in just a couple minutes, is that the Bengals are showing repeatedly that they do use these analytic benchmarks that we've talked about on the show that we use. They might not use them exactly the same as we do, but you mentioned when you were down in Mobile talking to Duke Tobin in person, He's sort of alluding to solo tackle market share. He's alluding to these metrics that we've talked about in terms of productivity that are more of elimination factors than positives for prospects. It's if if you're not at least here, well, we we might knock you. We might look the other way. And they also have minimums, as as do all teams, I think. for For various drills, are they the right drills? I think is a question. Are they are they the right benchmarks to be using. Do you have the feeling that they generally are, or that it's a mixed bag? It's hard to tell because
1: at some positions they've struggled to draft. Right, O line, interior offensive line, linebacker. Uh, While well, they've, I feel they've drafted corner well. They've drafted receiver generally well, and they've drafted quarterbacks well. Uh, so you know, it's hard to say to paint it with a broad stroke to maybe see if they're using the right ones or not. I do like lately looking at the receivers. Receivers are one where I was always. Testing, number one, are you fast, are you athletic? Because I can see it on tape, but I want you to confirm it. And then they draft Tyler Boyd, then they draft Auden Tate, and those are two guys that don't have great testing. Same could be said for Mohamed Sanu. And then you go back and look and see what the trend is between those three, and it's that they broke out in college at a young age, and they were highly productive for their respective teams. And you go, okay, the Bengals might value that a little bit more than testing for receiver, and they're probably right to do so. Uh, so I, I think there are some that I can look at and pinpoint and say, they're on the right track. And then there's somewhere either I'm trying to find what it is, or maybe they are too, because if they've had different coaching changes or whatever may influence their decision. But uh, overall,
2: uh, it's I like that I can pinpoint a few of these and it doesn't mean that it's good or bad. I think it's pretty cool that there's a few positions where we have a really good idea. And then there's others that maybe the coaches had more of a say like offensive line. Maybe when Paul Alexander was around, he was getting his guys yeah. and now you got Jim Turner getting his guys. So maybe there's not as much a type in some positions as others. And then some places we have very clear trends. I was looking back at last year's article I wrote for the athletic, basically putting out the trends, Who's the
1: average guy and looking at their first three picks of Jonah Williams and drew sample, Jermaine Pratt, they all fit. They exactly what we expected. they, Pass all of those with with perfect um, testings and measurables. Drew Sample is actually the average tight end they've always drafted mm-hmm. to a T. And then now Ren passes everything. I even mentioned Ryan Finley was probably the guy because they like experience in production. It's funny, he's the only guy they brought in besides um, Jake Dolagala, so they drafted Ryan Finley, of course. And I also wrote, looking at receiver, if they want to take one in the second round last year, it would be Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown. And both had really good rookie years, so they would have been correct on that. And it's funny because the trade back happens after. After Debo's already gone, Dalton Reisner's already gone. You can see, okay, maybe a trade back in one pick before they take Drew Sample. AJ Brown goes to the Tennessee Titans. I looking at that today or last night,
2: I was like, I bet he would have been the pick. Mm. Oh, you got to do that to me, Joe. That hurts Sorry. me deeply. Let's uh, let's play the part of the Bengals though. This week, we're going to get into our mock draft Monday, and we are going to do as we think the Bengals. Well, stick around, and we'll get right to it. Before we get into the Mock Draft Monday, I wanted to make a quick, I don't know, not PSA, but acknowledgement, I think, of a community thing. We don't talk a ton about what the Bengals are doing in the community, what Bengals players and coaches do. We do from time to time when I notice these things when they come up. But Zach Taylor was out at City Gospel Mission in Cincinnati today. And according to the City Gospel Mission Cincinnati uh, Twitter account, He gave them a significant check because he wanted to help the homeless. He brought games and other activities for shelter guests. He asked coaches to consider donating. So Zach Taylor out there in his Bengals pullover sweater thing, you know, the quarter zip with the Bengals head on it. That's an interesting note too. not the B, but the Bengals head. So maybe the Bengals head is making a comeback, but wanted to shout out Zach Taylor for doing some good in Mm -hmm. the community. Yeah,
1: that's a nice, uh, that's a nice zip up there. I would take that
2: and uh, also taking care of our most vulnerable shout out to Zach Taylor, especially in a time like this when, you know, everybody's pretty vulnerable right now. But there's especially we got to take care of those folks. So, Joe, let's get into our mock draft, shall we? We've picked Joe Burrow first overall. We've paused the draft at 20 just to see. Is there anybody that we think the Bengals would want to trade up for that's even still on the board? Because we don't think that they're going to make a big move, like moving into the top 20 to come up. And just looking at the board today, it doesn't look like it. So we're just going to let it run to the top of the second round, evaluate our options and go from there. Yeah, I think that's the right call. There's, what would it take? Who would it have to be?
1: People keep asking about Murray or or Queen. I don't think they would trade up for those guys. I just, you know, don't see that as being a, a, a primary need, but not need. Primary impact position, right? Like a premium position that you have to go give up another player for to get.
2: Yeah, I I don't see them making those moves either. Of course, we don't trade up and they lose out on Denzel Mims, who in this simulation goes 23rd. Zach Bond goes 25th. Josh Jones, Cesar Ruiz, 27th, 28th. Jalen Rager, 30th. So a bunch of guys that could have been targets for the Bengals at 33 off the board. And now we have to evaluate here. Well, what what direction are we going to go? And the first guy that stands out that usually we would just draft and move on is Patrick Queen. But today... Being as the Bengals, Patrick Queen doesn't check off the Bengals check boxes, right, Joe? That's right. He's a little bit
1: small. Um, He's just below, so I think they would give him a pass. They have before for linebackers that are two hundred twenty-eight pounds or so. They like two hundred thirty, and it's a pretty strong threshold. Uh, But the thing with him that really doesn't fit, and they've typically always drafted these type of guys that have the production. And you may look at Patrick Queen and say he had eighty-three tackles last year. Yet you got to look at the solo tackles and the market share of for, versus his teammates basically at LSU. So, why do you look at that? Why does that make sense? Well, that's the most predictive metric for linebackers and surprisingly for defensive ends, but to see if they're going to be impact players at the next level. Queen's is an interesting case because he didn't start for almost half the year. So, there's six games or so we had less than 2 or 2 or less solo tackles in a in a game and That spells, or what it normally spells out, is that he's going to be a role or solid starter, never being an impact player. I think Quan Alexander is a fine comparison. I'd take Quan Alexander. I I would love to have him on the team. But he's not that A1 guy you think you, or a lot of fans think they may be drafting. That's at least what the metrics show. I don't know if the Bengals would bypass that and draft Queen. Or you'd get to the scenario where you go, well, he didn't start half the year. That's why his production was low. I think you got you can make a lot
2: of excuses and you would have to because he's going to be an outlier if you draft him. Yeah, so it is not a direction we're going to he- go here because he doesn't check all the boxes and we're going to try to act as the Bengals today. And instead, Joe, we're looking at one of the guys we talked about in the open of the show, Justin Matabike is here. And he's 36th on the Draft Network's big board overall. He's a guy that, like you said, Joe, you would like to trade back a little bit and get that done. Antoine Winfield Jr. is still available. Some other names that are interesting, Yetter Gross Matos, AJ Epinesa, T. Higgins, Trayvon Diggs. So there are quite a few guys here that are still enticing prospects. But Joe, what do you think the Bengals would do here? Do you think they would look to move back or would they stay put and just find the best player available? I could see them um, moving back in the scenario because there's
1: a couple of receivers that are at least interesting and, and have most of the parts. I think in any scenario here, we're going to be taking a guy that doesn't fit every or doesn't check every box. Cause I'm thinking, okay, maybe T Higgins. He's got the size. He plays outside. He's got the production. He's got the age metrics. They like at that position, but he doesn't have the three cone and shuttle stuff that typically they like there, but he didn't test it all for the three cone. So is that uh same thing with Laviska Chanel? He just ran the 40 and that's it. So you have a gap this year more than normal in these guys, in the entire picture, you want to paint for these prospects. So I would say this is a trade back scenario. If not, I do think one of the receivers could be had. And I, you know, I'm not quick to completely wipe off Queen, but he doesn't fit what they normally would draft.
2: And given the state of the board here, given that we think that the Bengals aren't going to be as gung ho on Patrick Queen without eliminating him, right, as the rest of Bengals fans might be. We are going to trade back here. We're going to move back six spots, go from 33 to 38. Five players will be picked before we pick next, and we'll pick up a fourth round pick in the process. To to get another third round pick in doing this, you have to move back way more in the third round, or you have to give something up later just using any draft value chart. So we move back five picks. We miss out on Yedder Matos. A.J. Epinesa, A.J. Terrell, Trayvon Diggs, but Patrick Queen's still there, Joe, and at this point, with the one major flaw in his game being productivity, maybe the Bengals do pull the trigger?
1: Yeah, this reminds me of Greedy Williams last year out of LSU, where they could have just taken him where they were, they traded back. I'm not sure they would have taken him anyways, he's another guy who didn't have the productivity, LSU tends to have that at times based on how much talent they have on their defense. But I think once you trade back and the guy's still there, then you're more open to it because this is the weird part of this year's draft is there's going to be a missing component to all of these profiles at some point here. Even guys we like. We're going to have to overlook something. And I think the Bengals are going to also. And I think it'll be very interesting this year to really nail down after this draft to see what they really value. Because if a guy doesn't have something, can they bypass it in a year? They're going to be bypassing a lot of trades. So I think now at this point, we're cool with taking Patrick Queen.
2: And I think we will take Patrick Queen here. We, We will make the selection. The headline of the podcast is probably going to be, we're going to trade back with Patrick Queen on the board and see what happens. And you're going to get to this part of the podcast and you're going to be like, those guys. They got me good. <laughs> those guys. Uh, so we're going to pick Patrick Queen here, but I could easily see it being Justin Matabike. I could see it being Antoine Winfield, these guys they've talked to. I could see it being somebody they had at the Senior Bowl at mm-hmm. this point. But for now, and we'll go I, to Patrick Queen and let it roll. Joe? I think the gap... And I think that's important is to look at
1: the next tier of linebacker. If it's Malik Harrison and Logan Wilson, right? And even Harrison doesn't exactly fit the profile in terms of production. Uh, So do you take a Harrison in a trade back? I'm not even sure they would. And then Harrison just, as we're simulating now to get to round three, Harrison's gone already. So, you know, it's an interesting thing to look at and and say – where do they take this linebacker? Where does it line up? Because it's going to be a weird year because Jordan Brooks didn't do a full test t- testing. Troy Dye didn't test at all. Willie Gay Jr. doesn't have the production because he barely played. Akeem Davis-Gather did not test. There's just a handful of guys that you could really look at and say they fit perfectly for what the Bengals normally
2: draft. And, and here we see that gap as well, right? We're at 65 right now. We're picking on, in the third round. And there's Jordan Brooks, Troy Die, who the draft network has 76 and 84th on their board. Then all the way to 113, 115 for Evan Weaver and Joe Bocce, the two guys the Bengals have been talking to. And the guy we have to talk about is Logan Wilson. Had we not taken Patrick Queen, I think
1: Wilson keeps being ranked as like a fourth, fifth rounder. Don't be surprised if he's second or third because he hits every box. I mean, you don't find too many linebackers in college that get three interceptions in a year. Um, he's one of the few guys that can actually cover and has covered and has covered a lot. So, uh, you know, if if it isn't Queen there, don't be surprised if we're at 65 and it's Logan Wilson on, on the real
2: draft day. Which... You might think seems really early for him, but like Joe says, he checks a lot of boxes. For the Draft Network, he's 148 overall on their board, which is behind a guy we've never talked about on the show, Joe, David Woodward. We've never once said that name on the Lockdown Bengals podcast and head of a guy named Justin Stranod, who's another guy that we haven't talked about at all on this podcast. So Logan Wilson, not necessarily seen very highly by the Draft Network's board, but might be more highly sought after by the Bengals. We're on the clock in the third round, Joe. We have a few more picks to make. We're going to get through the third and fourth round today because we've got two picks there. We'll get
0: to all those picks in just a minute. TurboTax experts make your moves count. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this Locked On podcast is brought to you by TurboTax. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts will make sure that they count for you. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? Well, that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That is a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? That quite literally would be a move. Or maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house. Or you switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or maybe you just rode the stock market to the moon and back. Any of those things that you did or any other moves that you made, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and every deduction you deserve filing with 100% accuracy and getting you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax today. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So we're at the third round
1: so far. It's been pretty good. Joe Burrow, Patrick Queen, after trading down, that gives us two fourth round picks and this premium third round pick. that We're still looking at some pretty good. Players. We haven't gotten the receiver we want yet. We haven't gotten an offensive lineman that we got, but the board looks really good. I think the value drops off at wide receiver after round three as you start to get some complimentary players. And I think what the Bengals need is a future boundary potential number one guy. So let's look at who's available at receiver and think of how the Bengals typically draft and who they would and wouldn't take, in my opinion. And starting from the top of this, um, Draft Network's predictive board, Michael Pittman, wide receiver out of USC, he has basically everything you want except for the age profile. And he was a senior bowl uh, participant, so the Bengals should know him from there. So that puts him a little bit higher on our list. And his profile for age is just under what I would think the Bengals would want. Normally they're at the 50th percentile. He's at 39th for breakout age, which means um, you'd have to bypass a little bit. But like I said going into this, we're going to be forgiving some metrics no matter who we draft. So I think Pittman's on the board. Let's table him from now and look at the next few guys. Chase Claypool does not fit the not production. He doesn't fit the the age profile at all. Now, he may be a big, fast outside guy in projection, but he didn't even do that in Notre Dame. I think he looks like a big tight end. So I think we can kind of knock off uh click chase claypool as of now and, and just say pushing behind michael Pittman at the very least next
2: guy is bane jefferson let me jump in What's up? because okay. i'm looking at playerprofiler.com right now joe and the productivity and breakout age profile for chase claypool is almost identical to michael Pittman. you got 60th College dominator score for Michael Pittman, you've got 63rds college yards per reception, which you don't care about as much, mm-hmm. and a 39th percentile breakout age. For Claypool, it's a 33rd percentile breakout age and a 63rd percentile dominator. So these are very, very close. You're, you're looking at other productivity metrics?
1: No, it's I won't, I'm looking at it it was the age is 33rd versus 39th. I was trying to make an exception to even get to 40 for Pittman. So I'm not even happy about Pittman
2: right now. I I was just going to lead into the guys I did like for this. But Claypool is, Mm -hmm. is just going to be 22. Whereas by the time the season starts, Michael Pittman is going to be 23. So he is a full year younger, even if the breakout age isn't, isn't what you want, but continue with the guys that you like better.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, That next for me goes to Van Jefferson. Uh, He's more of a slot guy. Reminds me of Mohamed Sanu out of Florida. He does not hit it at all. Not only is he older, but the production scores aren't with him. The breakout age isn't with him at all. I think he is completely off the table here for this pick. Bengals just don't draft this. They have drafted Andre Caldwell out of Florida that was very similar too. But uh, the next guy is Brian Edwards. And Edwards is... I think, in my opinion, the prototype of what they typically draft at wide receiver. He didn't get to test. He didn't get to participate in the senior bowl because of an injury. But his production scores, his breakout age, are through the roof. It's exactly what you want. And at 6'3", 212, when I watch him on tape, he, to me, looks like Michael Thomas out of Ohio State. So I think if you're going to take a leap of faith of one of these guys not hitting one of the marks that you typically want, for me, Edwards not being able to test, because even if he would have tested... Under average, look at Tyler Boyd, look at Auden Tate, also testing under average, but being the age they did, breaking out at the age they did, I mean, 17 years old in the SEC, Brian Edwards was making plays and leading that team in in catches and yards. I think Edwards would be the guy they would bypass something for and say,
2: he's our pick. And if that doesn't get your blood pumping, if you're one of the people that wants a wide receiver, I don't know what well. Just looking at a hundredth, literally one hundredth percentile breakout age. He was, he was doing it seventeen before he was eighteen years old. Yeah, late late seventeens, according to player profiles. So we're gonna pick Brian Edwards here, and you might be looking at all your boards and saying, "Oh, Brian Edwards is he's a third round prospect. He's a late a late third round prospect. He's maybe an early fourth round prospect." But the the Bengals, you know, if if we're sticking with their history. If they can get over the injury, if they think he's healthy, And this is a big question for Edwards, is is what are his medicals going to look like? Because they can't get a medical recheck that their own doctors do. It's going to be... For all, for all you know, he could end up on the PUP,
1: because you just don't know.
2: Yeah. So we're going to take the risk here. We're going to draft Brian Edwards. And, and who are we bypassing here? We're bypassing a lot of offensive tackles that the Bengals could also potentially pick here. You've got Ezra Cleveland still on the board, which... Uh, would be interesting because there's a, mm-hmm. a wide opinion on Ezra Cleveland, I think, right now from the first round into the second round. I I think maybe early third round. You've got Austin Jackson still here, Isaiah Wilson, Prince Tega Winogo. Uh, yeah. A lot of guys that could be tempting to the Bengals at this point.
1: Yeah, I think they could all fit. And if you had just ask the analytics side of the world, they would love Ezra Cleveland because age and testing they'd say you should take them in the first round um but we're gonna let it roll a little bit and hopefully get an offensive lineman if we got to trade up at the end of round three or wait till the fourth pick fourth round pick
2: we will do that but I think O-line is
1: starting to uh peak and give us someone we want
2: and and just look at the next 10 picks because I, I just paused it after 10 picks Ezra Cleveland goes four picks later Austin Jackson Isaiah Wilson off the board in the next 10 picks Akeem Davis Gaither there in the top of the third round as well so at this point we're all that depth of tackle we just talked about was top of third round depth these guys are all gone at this point prince take of still there matthew pert if you like him from yukon sadiq charles if you can get over the questions with him ben barch the arm length question but he makes gross looking smoothies that apparently aren't all that bad uh so people like ben barch and they had him at the senior bowl too so uh here we are about fifteen picks from where we're going to be on the clock and Prince Tagominogo just got picked. Are mm-hmm. you trading up for Matthew Pert, Sadiq, Charles, Ben Barch?
1: I'm not. I, I would have considered trading up for prince tag at that point because you probably would be flipping a fifth rounder maybe your other late fourth maybe and you probably get something back and end of day three um so it would have been worth it there i think there's still some offensive linemen that the Bengals would consider and could see upgrades in on the board and we're just a few picks away
2: i think that they're gonna end up drafting a michigan offensive lineman in this draft that's okay. a feeling i have but there's nobody here that we want to trade up for right just looking through the list of guys that are available logan wilson they're going to double dip on linebacker. I think they would if he makes it to them.
1: Sure. Yeah. Logan Wilson would be a guy I think they would really like. And and we're still at the point. Chase Claypool still going to be here. I really like Terrell Burgess, also the safety out of Utah. So let's
2: see what happens when we're on the clock at one oh seven, And man, every time we pick in the fourth round, it just hits me again that the Bengals really got screwed with those extra fourth, uh, third round compensatory picks this year. And we just missed on like everybody. Yeah, that sucked. This this
1: was the worst-case scenario. Murderer's Row in the final 10 picks of the third round.
2: Yeah, do you want to recap? I'll recap it for him. So Sadiq Uh Charles is gone. Logan Wilson is picked. Troy Dye gets picked. Logan Stenberg, the Kentucky interior offensive lineman, gets picked. Ben Bartsch, the guy that, you know, honestly, if he's there at this point, think you're going to Mm -hmm. take him. He's gone. Terrell Burgess is gone. Chase Claypool is gone. So literally everybody that we've talked about is a potential follower at the top of the fourth round. No longer available, but there's still some names here that you could get excited about. Indeed. And I'm looking at the top of the board here. And while I don't want a running back, there's
1: some guys that we have taken in the past. I think the interesting ones that are still on the board, though, could be Bradley and I. I mean, I still think we need an edge guy, and we're in round four here. A guy that's productive and had a great senior bowl could be a big factor in that. And I think the other one, if we're you don't want to go down the tight end, Thad, Moss, and some others start jumping in there. And uh, Tyler Beatus, I think, will, could be considered at this point.
2: What about Evan Weaver, the linebacker from Cal that we know the Bengals have talked to? At this point, we've got two picks in the next six picks. We've got 107, we've got 113. The, the hard Bengals part have-
1: I'm, doub- I'm sorry. The hard part of doubling up linebacker, though, is are they a 3-4 defense? And if they are, then you don't need another one. Well, one of them needs to hit, though. Sure, you're right about that. That's been the case for the last so many years.
2: I mean, a, a second-round pick would be the highest resource they've invested in an off-ball linebacker since Maluga. Keith Rivers. Ray Maluga, sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that they would strongly consider, or maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just me on Tyler Biatas, but this is a guy that he was so good two mm. years ago Reports are that he played, he was hurt all of, all of 2019, and that was visible in his play. So I think that there's a strong argument for Tyler Beattis here. Thad Moss is a hard sell for me, though. Why do you think the Bengals might be interested in Thad Moss?
1: Only for the connection. The production is just there at tight end. Um, We don't get the testing. And they are pretty strong on their testing, so that's it. I think one guy that's interesting down there that didn't mention, now that you scroll down a little bit, was Alton Robinson, edge from Syracuse. I think he could potentially be a starting edge, and getting him in the round four is great for me. I keep seeing him going, like, the third round. He was also at the senior bowl and had one and a half or two sacks
2: in the game. I I don't know, but I know the south offensive line had – a really Nothing. rough go of it. That's true. Uh, what about Shane Lemieux, Solomon Kinley in the fourth round, Joe? Interior offensive line targets, comparing them to Tyler Beatis, maybe Ben Bredesen, the Michigan offensive guard, who, you know, we talk, I I just have this, this feeling. Yeah, I like Bredesen the most out of all
1: these guys. I think he fits, starts at guard right away, Kinley at guard also. I I, I think Beatis makes a lot of sense. It not only doesn't make sense, I think it kind of redeems them a little bit on price they spent the maximum amount on price on billy price but now getting badass in the fourth is almost like a complete value trade off there and maybe he's a guard maybe he's a center in two or three years but i think you're getting a at least a capable starter at the very least he, honestly he's a very similar prospect to billy price they should probably have gone in the same range which is probably late second round and but beatis is hurt and or was hurt and had a down year and billy price had a a year where he stayed completely healthy and maximized everything he had on tape and i think they're really the same guy but in a good way because i would roll the dice on price again if we're talking about a second third and here fourth round pick
2: and then we're right back on the clock at 113 after selecting beatis at 107 and the only player that we talked about maybe hunter bryant the washington tight end is somebody that you look at a little bit maybe evan weaver who we talked about uh, a few times on this show. Do they double up at linebacker here? Do they look at that edge guy? You're talking about uh, Alton Robinson Enough. from Syracuse. I mean, this is a guy that gave them massive headaches in the Senior Bowl game. I could I could see it at this point. They really like edge players, generally speaking. We have mm-hmm. picked an offensive lineman. We've picked a linebacker. We've got a wide receiver. We've got Joe Burrow. That kind of frees us up, and this is that extra pick that we keep talking about that just feels so good to have. It just gives you so much flexibility to double up or find that edge player that otherwise is really hard to fit in.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really the decision here is between Bradley and I and Alton Robinson. I like both guys enough. Both had good senior bowl standout performances. Uh, I give the edge to Alton Robinson in terms of testing. When you look at an I, 6'3", 257, 40-yard uh, dash at a 493. So what does that really tell you? Street Cone is a seven four four. He's not going to test and look really good. But on tape, he beats people. So what do you do with that? Is he ever going to be a number one or a starting guy? I'm not so sure. But I think Robinson could definitely be that.
2: PFF is not a huge fan of Alton Robinson. Just a fun little fact to throw out there. They have him as a fifth rounder. But if they're leaning into senior bowl, I could totally see it. I could also see the picks here being the Thaddeus Moss connection. I could see it being Mm -hmm. Kenny Walikis, Michigan State, edge player. Running back could happen. Running back could happen if they have the extra pick. But, Joe, I'm putting you on the spot here. Let's make the pick and get out of this fourth round. Let's go with Bradley and I. Senior Bowl standout, edge guy, and we'll see where it goes. Here we go. Bradley and I, who I thought made great use of his hands. Uh, I I compared his hands to uh, Carl Lawson at the Senior Bowl, you might remember. You disagreed because, obviously, Carl Lawson has a lot more athleticism, a lot more bursts in his game than Bradley and I does, but Bradley and I's hand usage in the senior bowl game himself itself made him just unblockable. It was very impressive. So I, I'd be a fan of this draft, Joe. Let's give ourselves a grade as we've picked as the Bengals here through four rounds. Joe Burrow, Patrick Queen, Brian Edwards, Tyler Beattas, and Bradley and I. What would you give us as a grade? I, I think that's like an, an A. Is that an A? I know. That's a lot of
1: value, not only getting Queen after a trade down, so you get an extra pick, which ends up being Bradley and Nye. So you get two front seven defenders, front six, and they're in on you know the situation, but uh, you get value in Beatras in the fourth round. And Edwards, while we haven't talked about him enough, I think we'll have a lot of fun with the the prospect of him hitting his potential and I think you'd get away with this. If they came away with this, I'd say, yep, they've got, they've got some instant starters and in queen and probably Bayadas. They've got some depth guys in an eye and they've got potentially a home run and Brian Edwards.
2: So here's how you trade down passing on Patrick queen and you still get an A in your mock draft. This has been the mock draft Monday episode of the lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about more Bengal stuff because that's what we always do on this podcast. Getting the mentions, give us your grade for this Mock Draft Monday four-round mock draft. Joe Burrow, Patrick Queen, Brian Edwards, Tyler Biadas Bradley and I. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.